Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Tuesday, August the 15th. And welcome to our commentary. Well, we're still going through our heat wave. Uh, we've been on a heat wave, I guess, uh, for a couple of weeks. We've we've had this happen before. It's not the first time that, you know, Texas has had a, a heat wave. It's happened before. In fact, I remember 2011 was really nasty. Uh, 1980 in particular. That one was pretty nasty. But, you know, it happens. It happens around here. And you more or less just get used to it. I mean, you just accept it. You work around it. Obviously, you you avoid those times of the day when it's really, really hot, like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And you just, you know, you work around it. You work around it. You want to make sure your car is parked under the shade. I mean, if you go anywhere, uh, if they've got underground parking, go in. And if you're looking for a place to park in a building or something, look for the one or maybe two spaces where you can get a tree and uh, and get some shade because it does make a huge difference uh, when you come out at four or five o'clock in the afternoon and your car's been out there all day. I mean, it does make uh, a lot of difference. Well, a couple of stories I want to get into today. I've got a post over at the American Thinker about Argentina. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, the reaction to uh, indictment number four against President Trump. I mean, this is getting silly. Seems like every week there's an indictment of the former president. But let's let's go with Argentina. They had a primary, not an election, a primary on on Sunday. Now, it's a little different how they do it. I'm not 100% familiar with all of the procedures. But I guess they have like a primary with all the candidates run, regardless of your political party. And the fellow who came in first place, getting like 31% of the popular vote, was a guy by the name of Javier Millet. Now, that name, I have to confess, didn't mean anything to me. I didn't know this man before uh, before Sunday. I had seen his name uh, because I was aware of the fact that uh, Argentina was going to have this uh, primary election. But I didn't know anything about him. I you know, just uh, was not familiar with him. Well, he came in in first place. And, and again, he didn't win. He didn't win. They're going to have to go to subsequent rounds. But he got the most votes in the first round, around 31%. And, I mean, it's it's like a real shakeup. It's like a bit of an, earth, of an earthquake down in Argentina because Mr. Millet is quite a character. Uh, he's very entertaining. Ever since Sunday, I've had the opportunity to look at some of his videos and listen to some of his ideas. And he's really an interesting fellow. Now, they compare him to Donald Trump. I'm not sure that I see the similarity. I really don't. I mean, maybe it's because he's outspoken, maybe for that reason. Uh, but, I mean, they compare him to Donald Trump down there. And it, I, I guess from what I've read, uh, Mr. Millet is a fan of President Trump. And maybe that's why they make uh, the comparison. But I honestly don't see that much politically between the two of them that is that similar. But anyway, they compare him to the Donald Trump. They also call him a right winger, a far right. You know, he's from the far right, which is uh, I guess that's what happens if you challenge uh, the center or the bureaucracy. But if you listen to this man talk, his whole campaign is against uh, what he calls corruption and the corruption of the state. He attacks, for example, the bureaucracy. He thinks that there are too many bureaucrats, too many departments, 
uh, too many people collecting a check from the government, too many people who should be working who are not working because they're being supported by the government. He thinks that there are too many generous retirement plans in the government. And he just thinks that the whole thing is unsustainable and will eventually crash, which it probably will. And he's running against all of it. He calls the he calls it a he calls the political class. He calls them parasites, meaning that uh, they live off of everybody else. He uh, attacks uh, the government for passing rules and regulations that make it very difficult to run a business, to manage a business. Now, this is not new to me. I had seen this before. Uh, it's what they call crony capitalism, where you basically have a capitalist system, which is basically to protect, you know, big business, big labor, and whoever happens to be in office or the people in power, the bureaucracy. And so I had heard of that before in Argentina. I've also heard of that in, in Brazil. But the net effect of it is that you have an elite group of people who are doing very well. They have all the good jobs. They have all the nice salaries. And then you have a huge part of the country, the middle class in particular, that never gets ahead because they're either paying very high taxes or if you have a small business, they regulate things in such a way that you cannot afford the attorneys to challenge all the regulations and, and the country doesn't grow. The country doesn't move forward, which is the case of Argentina. I mean, Argentina is one of the greatest or one of the biggest underachievers uh, in the world. I mean, it's a beautiful country. The people are very well educated. I mean, Argentina should be a superpower. In fact, 100 years ago, it was projected to be. But then, you know, uh, everything just went to heck, I guess, in the 1940s. they A lot of people from Argentina blame it on the policies of Perón, you know, the Juan Perón, the the general who became president and I guess eventually ran the country for a lot of years. A lot of people blame it on him. He he passed a bunch of policies that were very socialistic uh, in nature, all kinds of retirement programs and, and all of that that frankly are unsustainable. So they've had a lot of devaluations of the currency over the years. And Argentina is simply not a country living up to expectations. I mean, this is simply a country that should be very, very prosperous, but they're not. They're not because of all of these things. So this fellow is running against all of that. He he calls them he calls them parasites. That's what he calls uh, the political class and and the bureaucrats. Now, of course, the question is: Is he going to win? Is he going to win the big prize? Is he going to be elected president? Probably not, because there's going to be several other candidates, and eventually, I assume they're going to have to go to a uh, to a final two. And I have not seen any evidence so far that uh, Javier Millet can win a majority of the votes in a you know one-on-one -on -one contest. Uh, so we'll wait and see what happens. But there's no question that he, this, he has really shaken up the politics in, uh, in Argentina and touched a nerve that a lot of people are reacting to. One more thing about him. If you look at the map of Argentina, it's interesting. He won many of the provinces outside of Buenos Aires. Now, of course, Buenos Aires is where the biggest population is. But he won a bunch of areas around the country. So that would suggest to you that there is a lot of resentment around Argentina for uh, the, the policies of the, of the federal government there in, uh, in Argentina. So we'll see 
we'll see what happens. Now, the other big story, of course, is, uh, by the way, my post about Argentina is over at the American Thinker. You can read it on on my blog. I always print uh, the American Thinker article. I reprint it on my, on my blog. Now, the other big article or the other big story uh, the last 24 hours, of course, is indictment number four. This is the fourth indictment uh, against President Trump. This is now becoming a joke. It seems like every Monday there's a new indictment. And they all seem to have the same characteristics. They all come from district or areas of the country, very heavily Democrat, a district attorney who's very partisan Democrat. They all seem to have the same characteristics like in New York and the one in Washington, D.C., and now, of course, the one the one in Florida. And, you know, the, the question that the, I, I keep asking this question, how is this good for the country? How is it good for the country to engage in this kind of poisonous partisanship that is dividing and dividing and dividing the country more and more and more and more? I don't see how the country benefits from this. On the contrary, I think the country's suffering a great deal. And you look at all the problems that are not being addressed because we're all so hung up on these partisan battles of I investigate you, you investigate me. And, and I, I just think it's terrible for the country. And the Democrats uh, have, have taken over this and they want to push this far. But here's another interesting thing. It's not good for the country. I will grant you that. But it's not good for Joe Biden and the Democrats either. If you look at the polling data, I took a look at the RCP average, the Real Clear Politics average between President Trump and President Biden. If, if they had a contest today, it would basically be a tie, 44-44. Now, that is amazing when you consider all of the attacks on, on President Trump over the last year, indictments, FBI, and all of that. They have not been able to break up Donald Trump. He's still standing there. And then on the other hand, you have Joe Biden. He's at 44, despite the fact that, honestly, he's getting a pretty easy media He's not being challenged. And, you know, he gets away, frankly, with a lot of things. So it's not good for the country. I don't think it's good for the Democrats either. And I hope that somewhere along the line here, somebody will simply step back for a second and say, this is not good for the country. Let's just stop all of this and worry about some of the real issues that uh, that we have. I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's there's somebody like that in the Democrat Party who's willing to put the brakes in all this garbage because, you know, this idea of getting Trump is coming at a very high cost. And the cost is national unity. I mean, we're a very divided country because of this. And is that good? Is that what they want? I would hope that there are some Democrats out there who can see the big picture and start putting the brakes and all this madness against, uh, against Donald Trump. That doesn't mean that Donald Trump, uh, everything he did was good. It doesn't even mean that he should be president. All I'm simply saying is this madness has to stop because it's hurting the country a great deal. One quick thing on this day in history I want you to remember. It was on this day in 1969, this week in 1969, that we had Woodstock. Now, that makes it 54 years ago. So a lot of the people who were at Woodstock are probably in their 80s now. But Woodstock, that big festival in New York, you know, they sold 180,000 tickets, but they got 500,000 people. It was total madness. And the music, you know, you can listen to the, the recording that they put out, the triple album that they came out. It wasn't really that great. But anyway, Woodstock was a big deal 54 years ago this week. 
Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.